need to feed my spirit. I was once a king. You are a spectre from the gods. Walk with me. All right, you're listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown. And for episode 13, we've got the lovely Lena Forsgren. She's a convert from Colorado, and she opens up about what appealed to her about the church, how she went on a mission almost immediately to the exotic land of Wisconsin, how her mom was actually roped into the church midway through her mission and the strain that that created on their relationship, and of course, what ultimately led her away from the church. If you're enjoying what you hear, please share one of your favorite episodes with a friend or family member. And if you want to keep up with everything Wait You Were Mormon, head on over to www.waityouwaremormon.com for access to all the episodes and all of the social links. I really appreciate all of the support. And if you'd like to let me know your thoughts, feel free to shoot me a message or an email or head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a review. I'd really appreciate it. Enjoy. I guess just jumping into it, um, can you give us a little introduction of yourself? Yeah, um, my name's Angelina Forsgren, but I go by Lena. Um, mostly because like, I think about Angelina as like this Mormon girl. And um, actually, when I moved to Utah, it was like, no one knew who I was. Um, so I shortened it, go by Lena, prefer to go by Lena. Um, I've been in Utah about three and a half, four years, I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Um, my husband and I moved here when we were engaged, um, just to be closer to family. We escaped BYU-Idaho to uh, get to Utah. <laughs> Joke's on us, right? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if now. that's much, um, much better. <laughs> We were still very active in the church uh, when we did move to Utah. So at first we didn't really think anything of it. But um, I'm a convert. I joined the church when I was 20. Um, I had kind of investigated on and off for a few years before I finally took the plunge, so to speak. Okay. Um, That's actually how I met my husband. Um, His sisters were friends of mine in high school, and I... Like, I knew that they were Mormon, and that's kind of, like, how I got introduced to it. Okay. Now, so, um, um, are you from oh, yeah. Idaho originally, then? No, uh, born and raised in Colorado. Colorado. So, the church has, like, a decent presence mm. in Colorado. There's a temple there. Actually, there's two now. One in Denver, one in Fort Collins. Um, I, I was baptized in a YSA. So like I had kind of like an interesting experience going in being as young as I was, you know, unmarried, had no kids. Um, I came from a little bit of a promiscuous background. So that was like really intriguing to everybody in the YSA. And I went from um, troublemaker, rebellious type to um, covering myself up and speaking in sacrament like it it just was this huge overnight turnaround so i I actually submitted my mission papers on my 21st birthday so instead of 
downing shots. I was sitting with my stake president, getting ready to put my mission papers in. Um, and let's see. So that was in November. And then by April of 2014, I was on the mission. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, when I jump in, I jump in. So I, I believed it. I was there. Um, you, I was so headstrong and like sure that it was true. You could not have done anything to change my mind. And I was very vocal about how I felt. So I was like ready to go on a mission, embrace it. Um, I got called to Wisconsin, which I was thrilled about, you know, I didn't realize at the time how like upsetting it is for like <laughs> people in the church who like grow up, like thinking about their mission, their entire life. And then they get a mission call and they're like, Wisconsin, like what? But I am a Packers fan. I was thrilled to go. Um, and yeah, I was, I was just a fiery little molly mormon had a few tattoos some scars from piercings but um a lot of people always said like had i not have had the appear appearance that i did they would have never known that i was a comfort i just mm. fit right in so to speak yeah so um so i know you had some kind of like social connections to the church initially um as you were going through the actual like process of receiving the lessons being an investigator um, what was it that really stuck out to you, like doctrinally? That you're like, yeah, I think I'm definitely on board with this. So I always struggled with Joseph Smith, and somehow as I was able to kind of set that struggle aside and focus on um, some like basic key parts of the doctrine, like the pre-earth life. Okay. That was something that resonated with me. I always thought that maybe I had existed. Um, prior to being in this earthly body, um, my parents, my mom grew up Catholic, my dad grew up Jewish. Mm -hmm. um, so my my family never raised us in any sort of religion, but there were just some things that like I, I picked up, like my mom would always say, like, I believe that you chose me like way before you were born, you chose me. And so I just had kind of like these little things that resonated with my upbringing that just kind of made sense. Um, my mom being Catholic, um, with infant baptism, I never believed in that. I thought eight made more sense than, um, infancy in retrospect, to kind of laugh, like what kind of eight year old is ready to make eternal yeah. commitments to some deity. But anyway, um, so like just little things like that. Um, it did help that the YSA had a ton of cute boys in it and the missionaries were my age, like, um, if I'm being honest, there was not a whole lot about the doctrine that got to me. I was convinced that I could um, eventually just start to believe all of that if I just learned enough. I was like, okay, well, if I just like hang out enough, be friends with these people, learn from the missionaries, eventually all this will make sense. And um, I could probably believe it because I don't have any, any really, I don't have a basis to go off of. Like it's it was really the first like true religion I was ever introduced to. Hmm. So I was kind of like fresh meat, you know? Yeah. They uh, could just tell me whatever they wanted. And if they were good at explaining it, you know, bringing the energy just right into the room, you know, you're eating out of the palm of their hand. Yeah. And then when you get on the mission, like 
you realize they're really just teaching you like how to emotionally manipulate so well, like get you into this quiet room. We're going to, you know, any personal feelings that you have in your body, we can just run with that and exploit it, whatever that could be. That's the spirit. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty messed up. So as a, as a convert going into the, the mission field, um, what were some of your kind of uh, initial impressions getting out there and, and teaching those lessons yourself? Okay. So we got, I found the enzyme article about it in our apartment. I don't, I don't know if it had came out and was just in our apartment or if we had just gotten it in the mail because we mm. were always getting them. Um, anyway, I, I just remember reading it being like, wait, so South Park was right. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, but we don't talk about this and preach my gospel and we don't talk about it in lessons at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I was very self-aware of the fact that I was manipulating people. Um, I, I can be very well-spoken mm -hmm. and, um, it really helped like the dynamic in my companionship that I was always with the companion who grew up in the church and was, you know, always a Molly Mormon and mm -hmm. I and I kind of came from a past that more people could relate to and so I felt like I used that as a tool um, to get people to like open up to me and like become vulnerable and when you're vulnerable um, you know in a situation that is spiritual or religious mm -hmm. you're more susceptible to um, you know that brainwashing mm -hmm. and I like at the time I was just like it's the spirit that's what this is. And it's not brainwashing. I'm not manipulating them. This is the spirit. And I am just the vessel, so to speak. <laughs> and that did get blurry um, as time went on because I am a human and I masturbated and I thought I had an issue. And so when things weren't going well, you know, when we weren't manipulating people enough to follow our lead, um, I thought it was my fault. And so it, I was always kind of at like this constant battle with myself of, you know, am I doing enough? Am I listening to the spirit enough? It never really occurred to me that I was actually like, I was the one doing all of this to myself mm. and to other people. Not at the time. Yeah. Um, now I've talked to a lot of guys who have had that issue on the mission. Mm -hmm. Um, is that something that you felt comfortable going to like your mission president about? No way. As a matter of fact, I never told any bishop or state president prior to going on a mission. I was sure that I was not going to be allowed to go. Mm. Plus it made me so uncomfortable to like tell these men that I don't know. Yeah. Like, and I knew, and like they flat out would ask me and no, mm -mm, I don't masturbate. I don't watch pornography. No, sir no way and you know so i was one of the lucky ones that was never asked further questions because i never was truthful in those interviews and i it, it kind of ate me apart as like maybe i should talk to my mission president but i was scared to go home i was mm -hmm. afraid of like the social um humiliation I was not really concerned about what God would do to me because I was like, you know what? If God is real, he'll probably forgive me for this. Like it's a stressful time and I'm human and I'm by myself. Like I'm single. What are you going to do? But 
I was way more concerned about the social aspect and, you know, how I would come across, you know, I was this golden convert who jumped on our mission and, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody was just so amazed with how fast, you know, she took the gospel and ran with it. And I, there was no way in a million years, I never told my companions. Um, it was a secret I kept and after leaving the church and talking to some female friends who later left the church like oh yeah I totally masturbated never told anybody all of us lied um and I remember we moved into an elder's apartment um and they had like laminated him hymnals on Mm -hmm. their bathroom wall and my assumption is that that was the mission president's way of keeping them from masturbating in the shower and i'm and i look back now and i'm like oh my god and my companion my companion at the time was like why would they do that like don't they memorize these things we're supposed to sing a hymn every morning and i'm like oh sister yeah so that's not what that's there for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah i definitely did it i can't vouch for other people but i would put money that yeah, all of us were doing right. it De- definitely and and what a horrible totally. like inner turmoil to have you know over something just so natural and yes it's such a stressful yes. environment it's like a simple way to kind of relieve some of that stress and it's just building upon it oh. all the time you like i i don't know how they can isolate i mean i guess that's just like a part of the technique you know like isolate you Mm. give you all these boundaries it's so funny because you feel like you're under the thumb of your mission president uh, and like every leader possible Mm. especially as a sister missionary we're like we had no choice but to report to like every male figure Mm. ahead of us um but it was i don't know it just Anyway, I could go on and on about that forever, but I just, I just feel like, um, it, it, it was really like damage, damaging to like my, my self, um, confidence mm-hmm. and, you know, and trust in myself and my ability to like, listen to and follow the spirit. And, um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I just, I feel so bad for all the people who, um, are somehow like capable of like actually not breaking any of the rules like oh that's where i was getting at see my mind just like starts like crisscross um i guess it's a part of the tactic of like giving us all these boundaries making you think you're under the watchful eye um i served a mission in the time we had tv um i don't know if you've heard of the tv but it's like this little box that they put in the car and it like you can only go like three miles over the speed limit. It'll like um, tell you to slow down. And if you don't slow down fast enough, they give you like an aggressive driving. If you go over like a speed bump too mm-hmm. fast, you get like an aggressive driving. And if you get too many of those, like you lose your driving privileges. Um, and we were told that they were so like accurate, like their GPS was so accurate that they could tell if a missionary had unplugged it, drove around plugged it back in and didn't park in the exact same parking spot that they were in when they unplugged it. That's bullshit. That it doesn't exist. That's not true. Maybe now, but not in 2014, no fucking way. And so here we are literally hours away from our mission president thinking that they know everything we do. They know if we don't get home, 
at nine o'clock. They know, you know, if we stay at a member's house for more than an hour and that just ate us apart. And so I'm sure that when all the missionaries are like masturbating in private, you know, or like I was writing elders like sexy letters. Like I'm sure when we, yes, 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 actually I scratched I scratched all of that like confession out of my journal because I had came back from a zone conference and they're talking about how our like posterity would like read our journals and like, look at how valiant we were as missionaries. I'm like, Oh fuck, I have got to get that out of my journal. So I took the shirt <laughs> and I just crossed it out. As a matter of fact, one of the letters I got from this elder, I was reading in the bathroom and, um, it was like three or four pages and um one of the pages had like slipped and like the air caught it and it like slowly just like went into the toilet and so i like pulled it out and i was blow drying this letter and my companion came in and i had to tell her like i really want to read this letter but i like accidentally dropped it in the toilet she's like here let me help you I was like no <laughs> no you don't want to read this letter like uh, it's fine it's fine it's fine anyway so like i was doing all sorts of shit in private and thinking that i was ruining everyone's mission experience anyway yeah i was a little bit of a rebel wow <laughs> i i never did anything like that but i did um i was in africa for my mission so i didn't have a car or anything like that um yeah no no way but i had this abusive nigerian companion that i've talked about a few times but he had like his own private phone and he was like texting sexy messages to some of the sister missionaries and like i was aware of that but it was just like he could have been sexting me just yeah it may be (laughs) (laughs) it may have been you know he was pretty (laughs) crazy he was like emailing my family like these really sweet emails like my mom thought he was like the best guy ever was sending gifts all of these things totally scamming them out meanwhile he was like threatening me physically all the time it was like really a horrible guy like he would just like walk us to like a member's house and he's like all right like i'm i'm gonna have the phone you're gonna stay here i'll be back in so many hours you just get comfortable watch some pretty little liars or something like that throw something on and who knows what he was what? doing i'm sure he, he must have been yeah he oh must have been gosh. following up on his texts you know but i never never really yeah. followed up i was just afraid you know what i i had a companion that kept the phone she if i ever show this on my facebook i'm gonna have to make sure she does not see this link because we we're definitely still Facebook friends. Um, she would like sleep with the phone next to her and when they like text the elders at like three o'clock in the morning and we all lived in the same apartment complex. So who the fuck knows what happened while I was sound asleep at night because she refused to let me have the phone. And I know that there was like a thing going on between her and one of the elders. So yeah, I, and it's so funny. Were you like, I'm like, okay, so you served a mission. Were you like, hardcore believing did it like drive you crazy that you had a companion like that or did you just not care it really really messed with me um it was like i was with him i think about two or three transfers and like at the end of every transfer i was like praying so hard like please god like i feel like i've learned my lesson i've been refined i'm, I'm you've humbled me oh, no. 
like whatever you're preparing me for, like I think I'm ready for it. And then the news would come out and it's like, yeah, you're still with Oda Williamson for another transfer. And it was just, oh, it was the most devastating news to me. Like, oh my gosh, I can't. But I convinced myself it was all for a greater purpose. God's preparing me, uh-huh. you know. That's how you get through it. Like, okay, this is what God has planned for me. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently I'm not humble enough, patient enough, understanding enough, empathetic mm-hmm. enough, compassionate enough, so on and so forth. Yeah. Long-suffering was the big what scriptural word that I, I reflected on a yes. lot. It's like, oh, I'm just learning long-suffering. Like, all of yes. those things you convince yourself. But it's like, no, you're just like really being abused and even if, even if you wanted to leave your passport's like mm-hmm. locked up and you know you're totally stuck here yeah yeah they keep that shit from you totally mm-hmm. i i can't imagine like not even being in the same country i never really thought about actually like escaping the mission or like trying to go home but i did like kind of like play it out in my head of like what I would Mm -hmm. do if I really wanted to go home because I know that um my mom actually joined the church about halfway through my mission but um early on especially when I had a couple troublesome companions is like you know what I could just email my mom and tell her I wanted to come home and they would have me on the next freaking flight out of there you know so I just I just never did. Did you ever want to leave with that abusive companion? Because you're right, like sticking you with people and telling you to serve them is such an abusive thing. Like they treat me like shit and you want me just to like worship them. Mm-hmm. So he just like kept you for like two and three transfers and probably told yeah. your mission president probably told you, serve him, elder. What are you doing? Just mm-hmm. show him you care. Fuck you, mission president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. they knew he was a problem because he, he did the... It was like a playbook for him. He did the same thing with every companion that he had. And then every companion, especially if you're American, because like people are campaigning for position in the mission. Like if I'm if I'm complaining to the yeah. president, he's going to be like, oh, this guy could never be AP or zone leader or whatever. You know what I mean? So everyone would keep mm-hmm. that very quiet. Mm-hmm. But then when you got together, like for his own conference, you're like, oh, yeah, he's He's stealing. Oh, he stole my scripture bag. He stole my pocket watch. He's stealing all of these things. We, whenever he's mad, he, because I'm like five 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 six. This guy was like six four or something. So our strides did not match going through the area. So if yeah. he was pissed at me, he would just leave me in the dust. We were going up and down the tallest hills. Like he just really wanted to just grind me into submission and it, it worked you know it really did work was like hey, and it worked. I, I all I can do is accept this and whatever it is it, you just justify it for all the reasons we uh we mentioned but I never actually like wanted to leave because I knew I would eventually get out and it would be better like whatever was waiting for me was going to be better it was going to be worth it and I mean that's the mm-hmm. that's the whole carrot and the stick kind of a thing but um that was definitely uh-huh. a horrible totally. definitely a horrible few months definitely um and then when i finally For told sure. my parents they were like oh elder williamson that guy was such a sweetheart in the emails like oh, i never would have guessed and it's like yeah those are the those are the ones those are predators like this dude was a predator straight up you know mm-hmm. and he was no, he was doing the no same thing to women in the area me. totally uh, 
Totally. Mm. No one ever believed me. Sister so-and-so, no way. I'm like, okay, no one else. Mm. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm crazy. Right. And I was, but not like that. Not like that, you know. It's like I know when I'm in a bad situation. <laughs> but um, as far <laughs> as the um, the craziness and all the, the pent-up sexual frustration in Wisconsin, what was the actual, like, reception from the people of your mission, like when you were going out and tracting? Um, people in the Midwest are actually really nice. Um, I honestly, we didn't have a lot of like door slamming. Um, most of the time people just don't answer their door. They just ignore you, which mm -hmm. I prefer. Yeah. Just ignore me. Um, we did meet a lot of people there. They were like Lutheran, Catholic, um, a little bit of evangelical, mostly Lutheran though. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I guess they call them priesters. The other missionaries, I'd never heard this term mm. before, but they go to church only on Christmas and Easter. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like the general, like, feel of the people in Wisconsin. You know, super farm town, um, super country for um, being fairly north and cold as hell. Um, but the people were really nice. Um, the... The culture there was kind of interesting. Um, I did get to serve in a YSA branch for quite a while, and we covered a huge, huge area. So mm -hmm. there were people, um, you know, who are around our age who were driving, you know, an hour, sometimes two hours every single Sunday to come to church. And, you know, there was only like 20 of them. And yeah. um, my first area was also a branch, really small. You know, it, it was so different from Colorado or even Utah. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think I probably would have stayed in the church a lot longer had I have maybe been baptized in the Midwest, mm -hmm. uh, maybe moved back to the Midwest. Um, I served in an area where a girl um, came in like from a um, like a night of stripping and she was still in like some of her clothes and like no one even batted an eye. It was, you know, they were just happy that she was there and. Mm. Um, you just don't see that like in, in the West. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still parts that are just so disgustingly Mormon that you, you know, that you find everywhere. But for the most part, like their culture was just so chill. Mm -hmm. Their personalities were so chill and we were received fairly well. You know, we had decent success. I guess we were one of the lowest baptizing, uh, missions at the time. So it was a hard hard mission to be in mm -hmm. but people weren't assholes all the time maybe it's because i'm a girl maybe it's yeah. different because you know we're approached a little bit differently they oh poor sweet little sisters mm -hmm. you know i don't know <laughs> yeah similarly i feel like if i had not gone out to utah for school i probably would have stayed in the church a lot longer um as well something about the utah culture really was a huge turnoff for me um, because it was a mm -hmm. disconnect from everything I was led to believe it would be like. You know what I mean? They presented like a utopia. And totally. then you get there and you're like, oh, this is not, this is not even nice at all. Like, I'm really not having a good time. Like, the, you know, the probably like the Midwest, like in the South, the wards and branches are a lot warmer. You know, there are less members. So there is maybe a little more camaraderie there. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then you go to Utah totally. and it's like so taken for granted that, oh, you're a new mm-hmm. person coming in. Yeah, like, whatever. Yeah. People are coming exactly. and go, you know, people are coming uh, and going like you don't feel you're so accustomed to feeling, you know, probably in Colorado, especially as a convert, like feeling pretty special and you know what I mean? And then you go to Utah. Yep. And they couldn't care less. You're just a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not a nice feeling. Now you said your mom joined the church about halfway through your mission. Um, is yep. she, is she still in the church, or did she leave about the same time that you did? Um, on the rolls, she is in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID gave her a really good excuse to not participate. Um, she still has some friends in her little ward, but, um, you know, if I'm being honest, I think she joined the church to connect to me. It was really hard for her when I left Mm -hmm. to go on my mission. She didn't understand it. Um, the church took advantage of me being gone and they sent missionaries to her all the time and connected her with like all of these, um, moms across the maybe even the world um who had missionaries out on the same at the same time um so they they just grabbed her sucked her in um the missionaries were like her other kids Mm. she loved the missionaries um she even went to arizona for a temple open house and then one day she just emailed me and told me she said a baptism date um my whole entire mission knew about it. It was a huge deal um, because I got to Skype my mom mm. twice that year because she got baptized. They let me Skype her. Um, and that was actually really weird for me. I did not want her to get baptized. I I knew she was, I, I just had a feeling she was doing it for me. Um, I and I was really active, really believing as like she has a problem smoking, she has a problem with coffee, um, you know. So I was like, there's no way she's going to be able to keep this up without me there. Um, when I came home, I was her escort in the temple. So mm. I came home in October of 2015. I believe it was the following month. Um, or even just a couple of weeks that we went through the temple together. Um, And it was really bizarre. Like nothing about our relationship felt authentic. Mm. And at first I thought it was just because I was a changed person. I had been gone for a long time. Um, She joined the church, you know, whatever. Um, But then I realized that it was really just you know, both of us kind of on a certain level understood that it was bullshit. Mm -hmm. And we both were like, well, here we are. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I guess, I guess it's just the way it is. So she, she's still, um, still a member, uh, but (laughs) disagrees with so much of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she, she's pretty, loudmouthed like me so some of the ward members will you know get upset at the things she'll say or whatever and go tattle to the bishop oh my so and so you know my anna heard a cuss was saying a cuss word and 
you should talk to her we're worried about her and she's mm-hmm. really big bullshit like that yeah. and, you know she's like i'm way too old for this kind of drama mm-hmm. so she just she's just not there for it and i think removing her records would be too much work and um she still believes in god and she kind of misses like her catholic mass so i told her you know what you want to go back to mass that's fine you don't want to go to church at all that's fine it is what it is yeah. you know but yeah she did join and it was really weird really weird mm-hmm. and really unexpected yeah i totally assumed that it was kind of more your workings that led to the baptism Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised to hear that it was like this covert pull the rug from under your feet she, kind of operation. Yes, yes, they and I I was worried when I left, so I told I told my bishop like can you just keep an eye on her, just make sure that you know, that she's not lonely, that she, you know, if she needs any help, you guys, you know, are there. Um and apparently that meant get her baptized. Yeah. And they did. Wow. And they did. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Boundaries are non-existent um, in, in the church. Um, Not at all. So now that I assume that you're very openly out of the church. Um, oh, 100%. So has yes. that, um, you mentioned authentic, that word. So has your relationship, has it reverted back to what it was before? Or is there still that sort of? Yes. Tension. Yes. It's so much better. I, you know, my mom and I have an interesting dynamic to begin with. And, um, as a Mormon, it was just really, there was like, there was always kind of like this sadness. Um, she and my dad are divorced. My dad's on his third marriage. Um, you know, so no one could ever tell us what was going to happen to us in the afterlife. They're like, well, what you'll do when she dies and your dad dies is you'll just seal them together and your dad will have all these wives and they'll all get up there and they'll all get to work it out. And my mom did not like that answer. And I was not comfortable with that answer. And, um, we, we did temple work for like her parents and her sister. And, um, she's always been super into genealogy. So doing temple work was Mm -hmm. kind of her way of like, you know, tying the family together. And um, it was always really upsetting to her that there was this, you know, by the church's standards, there was this missing link that was, that really had no way of being put together and they couldn't explain to us how. And, mm. um, you know, that saying, you know, put it up on your shelf, you know, worry about in the next life. And um, I think both of us were kind of like, well, that's a bullshit answer. Like mm. that, you know, really love that and that doesn't feel right and i mean it's probably really common for a lot of people to not believe in god at all the relationship um i'd say is even more authentic than it was because we just get to love each other for the time we have right now Mm -hmm. this is the only life you know that's guaranteed and um you know, we don't live in the same state, but, you know, I think there's just like an added awareness that this is the time we have. And she was actually diagnosed with cancer last year. And oh, no. um, so far she's in remission and okay. is doing really good. good. But, um, you know, that 
just that little reminder of, you know, mm. I don't know what tomorrow will bring or the next life. And so for now, we're just going to enjoy what we have in front of us. And that's so much better than being so passive in a relationship because there's this whole afterlife to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that because that's always the great tragedy of like leaving the church is the relationships that so often end up getting destroyed. You know what I mean? Whether mm -hmm. it's your parents, it's extended family, or just the circle of friends that you had within the church. A lot of times those just go up in the air. Um, so I am pleased to hear that it's even more authentic now, you know, because um, that's what really all we all have to hope for. But um, you mentioned the shelf, you know, these shelf items. What was it that finally broke the camel's back for you where you're like, I'm, I no longer can be a participant in this church. So, um, it kind of started with the way we were being treated in our board here in Utah. Okay. Um, I, I was having some medical issues as diagnosed with a brain tumor oh. and, um, I was just exhausted. We had no medical insurance. It wasn't getting treated. I'm fine. I'm healthy now. But at the time, it was really hard. And our board had zero understanding of that. We met at nine o'clock. Um, and they were always so butthurt that we didn't show up for sacrament mm -hmm. and only came to like teach our Sunday school class. Um, so they, they would just kind of like brush us off. Yeah. Um, and then it got to the point where we were told that our infertility was a result of not fully participating and acting on our faith. Like, you know, we're not fully participating in church and we've had these past transgressions and, um, you know, this is God's way of basically punishing us, which is so funny because it's like such a like Catholic belief yeah. that God is just like giving you like these trials to punish you. And I'm just like, okay, well, fuck that. So we stopped going, mm -hmm. um, both kind of on the fence of still believing, not really sure. Um, and just like everybody else, I came across the CES letter and, um, I, it's so funny because everybody always says that, you know, when you leave the church, you're looking for an excuse to leave. And we weren't, we were comfortable with being less active. Mm -hmm. We were like, maybe when we move to a different ward, because we actually talked about like ward shopping, like mm -hmm. looking at the areas we were thinking of living in and like picking an area based on the ward. So we're like, we'll go. We'll go back when we move. No big deal. Um, but I, I found the CES letter. Um, I was actually in a LDS Wives Anonymous group. And somebody was like, my husband found it. Um, he wants me to read it, but I'm afraid to read it. What do I do? And like okay. everyone was telling this girl, don't read it. Divorce your husband. There's no way he's the same man he was now that he's read this letter. And I'm like, oh. what? Yeah. what is this letter like i have got to know before i give my two cents so i pull it up and i see it's like this huge document mm. i'm like okay all right so i like grab my little bong hop into bed and i start reading and i like i could just like feel the shelf breaking mm. like i don't know if you've ever tried to just use thumbtacks to like put up the shelf <laughs> or like something heavy <laughs> okay you are not as ghetto as me apparently um but that's kind of what it was like it's like i'm just 
I just have all these things on my shelf and they're just up with these two little thumbtacks mm-hmm. and this cheap ass drywall and those stupid thumbtacks just ripped uh-huh. all the way down. And like it, my stomach went to my butt. I was like, Oh my God, what am I reading? What am I reading? And I, I felt guilty because mm-hmm. I had kind of reactivated my husband. I had been the one to drag him to the temple and make him do all this stuff. And I was like, what do I do? Do I tell him that I read this? Like, how do I know it's true? And I went back to the gospel topic essays. I Mm -hmm. I remember reading them on my mission and being confused and it not making any sense. And no one wanted to talk to me about it. And, um, my, my mom got her patriarchal blessing while I was on a mission on my mission. And she sent me a copy and it was unbelievably similar to mine. We went to the same patriarch. Of course, it was just like mine. And that was really confusing because I always thought that my patriarchal blessing was this really like special, sacred Mm -hmm. thing. Not to mention my patriarchal blessing told me I would be blessed um, to give physical birth to many children. Yeah. So it was like really emotional, but it was also like logical, like none of this makes sense. And, Mm. um, you know, when you look at the whole entire picture, you're like, I have been duped. Yeah. And um, a lot of lifetime members are always like, well, lucky you, like you didn't spend your whole lifetime. I'm like, I was an adult. Yeah. I could have thought clearly and I didn't. And you just immediately, I'm sure, you know, go through like all these emotions mm-hmm. and these fears. And um, I told my husband about it. I was like, okay, so I just like read this thing. And I was like, did you know that like the book of Abraham is like bullshit? And he's like, what? So he ends up reading it. I I don't know if he was like at home in bed or he was at work, but it took him a day or two to actually like come back to me and tell me that he read it. And Mm. both of us were like, well, now what? Like, what do we do? Like, I didn't know that Joseph Smith was marrying married women. I knew he married um younger women and that always bugged me but i'm like married women too like yeah. okay um the kinder hook plates i'd never heard of the kinder hook no, plates. that was a big one for me like what yeah. the fuck um because james string did just, it all better than joseph smith i was like I he like know. showed them to the public and it was like <laughs> way more convincing martin harris was like yeah this is legit 100 percent, 100 percent. so like i there's just so there was so many things in that godforsaken letter and mm. then somehow it led me to mormon stories so i watched um jeremy reynolds um and then it led me to mike norton i was like oh yeah i've seen those videos mm. i remember thinking that guy's a jackass um, and then I actually listened to, I just went to like Mormon stories episode one and started with John Dillon's story of like kitty baptisms and like mm. all the shit they were doing to like bump their numbers. And I'm yeah. like, and I, and I just started to see that it wasn't just like the doctrine that was corrupt. It was the mission. Um, it was the leadership. Um, it, like, I, I remember being confused when I realized like sitting in like ward councils, like realizing that callings weren't any anything special mm-hmm. that it was who do you think would be good at this and who who can we get to church to do this job mm-hmm. and i like i just realized i'm like oh my god i'm in a cult my family was right i'm in a cult what do i do yeah and i went 
insane. I cannot keep my mouth shut when I'm angry. Obviously, I'm a talker. Um, and I just started to like share everything I was learning on Facebook. And it was dumpster fire after dumpster fire because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Um, and then, so we, it was the summer, I want to say, of 2018. And then um, my husband and I decided, so we, we were like, should we remove our records? We don't even want to be a part of this anymore. We've been sealed. You know, that was a discussion like, how do we feel about our sealing? Oh, we cut out again. So I'm going to ask you about uh, the ceilings so we can splice that in. Let's see here. Like, how do we feel about our marriage and, you know, our future? Sure. Oh no. Ah. I feel horrible. I missed all of that. And it just <laughs> kicked me out of the, the meeting. I don't know if I you saw me back. disappear. Um I, I don't know. Go back. I have it's totally fine. Spectrum. I think it's being crappy, but you mentioned um, we left off at questioning the ceiling and then what to do from there. Mm. Yeah, we we didn't know how we felt about our entire marriage and the mm. foundation of what we had built our relationship off of. Um, we were having sex before we got married. And then decided that we wanted to like be truthful if we went to the temple. So we did the confession thing. I actually went through a disciplinary hearing. Mm -hmm. um, I was disfellowshipped for about five months, I think. Um, and that was terrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, being alone in a room with a bunch of men having to discuss all of the sexual transgression. Um, in attempt to get a recommend in time for the date we had set. Mm. So we had gone through like all of this work and then we get married and we're doing nightly scripture study and prayer and um, everything we had based our entire marriage off of just poof mm. into thin air. Just like, what do we do about it? So made the decision that if we woke up on Christmas day and so felt the need to remove our records and take ourselves away from the church, we would. And we actually both like sat there, like on our phones and like looked at each other, like, are you sure? Like, this is what you want to do. Cause like, of course you can always go back and get baptized, but mm. we're just not the kind of people to like take steps backwards. So if, if we're out, we're committing to it and we're out. And that's what we did. We submitted a red, resignation we got rid of the garments um you will not find a picture of jesus in our house and it's fantastic yeah. um 
and we we left and it's it's been hard on his family his family's super active um it definitely burned a lot of bridges uh it's affected um my career a little bit um just because people want to work with a birth worker who's mormon and mm-hmm. i'm not and i'm in utah yeah. <laughs> you know um but yeah, we, we took our records out. We, you know, we still, it's actually funny. I, um, the intro to your podcast, we like hear the beginning of the hymn and we're like, Oh, like that's triggering. Like, yeah, turn it off. Like, um, you know, there's still all these little things that just, you know, pick up, pick open that wound all over again. And, um, you know, it's been two years and it still is kind of painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I heard that for the first time yesterday, actually. A lady messaged me on Instagram. Like, I like the podcast, but like your music. And there was like a bunch of vomiting emojis and stuff. <laughs> and then she messaged back like right away, like, hey, like, I didn't mean that to come off as rude, but I'm just like, it was triggering. Like, I'm realizing mm-hmm. I still need to work on some stuff. And I was like, man, yeah, I, I didn't even consider totally. that. Like, it's more like humorous to me to like use mm-hmm. old Mormon sound bites and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, geez, like, it's something to consider now, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually got the naked Mormonism vibes from your beginning, which I love. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I actually really like the intro. I mean, similarly, like, my husband refuses to wear a white button-up Mm -hmm. shirt. Yeah. Like, refuses, you know, like, it's just... It's just so funny, like just these things. Like once you get over the initial shock of the lie that is mm. the Mormon Church, it's just like these little things that you're like, "Damn, like that really fucked me up," and I yeah. didn't even think about it at the time. Mm-hmm. So you know, you mentioned like there's you're not gonna find any Jesus in your home, all of these things. Um, like, what would you? How would you identify yourself now? Uh, probably, probably agnostic. Okay. Um, I do, I do believe that, that we're all universally and energetically connected. Um, but I, I don't read too much into that. Mm. There's a lot that I don't know. I don't believe that there's an afterlife. I don't believe that anything's going to happen to my spirit. It would be great if it did, mm-hmm. but I think I'll just go back into the earth and whatever energy is in my body will expel and it will be used somewhere else in the universe. And, um, I, I'm sure that there will be a point where I will really wish there was a God in an afterlife. Um, you know, death is hard Mm -hmm. and it's scary, but that is literally the only appealing thing to religion is the belief of an afterlife. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you're living your earthly life under all these like really like strange rules and restrictions and it just isn't a one size fits all mm-hmm. yeah um are there any bits and pieces that you kind of carry over um i don't know i don't know if i've really carried anything over i do think um i don't necessarily believe in coincidences mm-hmm. um you know, I do think that things happen for a reason we usually hate to say. Um, but I also think that's just kind of like karma, you know. Mm-hmm. You put good out there, you get good back. Yeah. 
but like I still I guess I still believe in just like the basis of like comfort those who need comfort and mourn with those who mourn and um stand up for those that are oppressed it mm. um you know stuff like that but I but generally like a lot of the doctrine I'm like ah fuck that yeah yeah <laughs> just just be a, a good person you know and the rest will yep. kind of fall into place but um exactly exactly do you have any advice for anyone that might still be kind of going through that journey and processing all of these emotions? Um, my advice would be to just take it as it comes. Um, you do go through the stages of grief. It's kind of like um, getting out of an abusive relationship. And you're going to have to give yourself some grace. You're going to feel guilty for a lot of stupid shit you did as a missionary, as a Mormon, um f do the work now so you can find happiness later because there is happiness outside of the church despite what your family or what the leadership might tell you and you know there's authenticity and transparency and true joy you know embracing your sexuality and mm. watching rated r movies and having a drink with some friends you know all, none of that is evil all of it is good um in moderation of course exactly. um and consent, consent <laughs> yeah consent is a big if you're one going to sexually experiment get consent use protection i mean but honestly you will get over the hump of it you know you'll get over the shock mm -hmm. you'll be shocked for a little while you'll be in pain for a little while um but you'll find that there's like a huge community of ex-mormons who know exactly what it feels like to leave such a high demand religion um and it is a cult you are leaving a cult be proud of yourself for being smart enough to think critically and see the bullshit for what it is and don't be afraid to express that to people who are still in the church because eventually they'll come to you when they hit their breaking point and you just get to return the favor of suckering someone who's going through a faith crisis. Yeah. So that's my advice. Yeah, I love that, Lena. I love that a lot. Um, don't be surprised if I reach out to you for a, a 2.0. Perfect. Because I've enjoyed yes, this. We can do that. Yeah, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely try to clean this up. Um, we're a little over an hour, so I'll let you go. But um, like I always say, like don't be a stranger. I will reach out and follow up. Feel free to do the same. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope it was beneficial in some way to you, despite yes. the crazy technical issues we've been having. I am here for it. I really enjoyed my time. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.